You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. I'm excited about sharing with you uh, tonight. We are in part eight of our Discipleship 101 series. And tonight I'm going to talk about being an overcomer. So I'm really pumped about this. Really, I just want to talk to you tonight about walking in victory as a disciple of Jesus. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, As disciples, as believers, as followers in God, we've got to understand that we are victorious now. That we can walk in victory now that we can walk in freedom right now, currently in this life. You know, there's, there's been this kind of belief in the church over the years that um, God kind of saved all the good stuff for heaven. Like once we die, then we can experience like a good life. And it's just like, you know, I have to kind of like white knuckle the steering wheel of my life and try to hang on to the road while somebody's kicking me in the head. It's kind of what it feels like we believe. But, you know, one day I'll pass away and I'll hit that sweet by and by and I'll just float on up to heaven, and then it'll be awesome forever. But that's not, that's not what Jesus died for. Now I am, now listen, don't get me wrong. It will be amazing. It will be incredible. I cannot, I can't wait to be with Jesus face-to-face forever. Like, it's, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. And, but I, I want us to understand that, that Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that we could get out of, get out of hell free card. He died for a lot more than that. He, he came and revealed the heart of his, heart of his father for three years kind of to show us what God was like for three years. He did so much more than just die on the cross so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. Now, I'm thankful for that. Like, praise the Lord that I don't have to go to hell uh, for all eternity. But, you know, life doesn't have to be terrible now. He, he didn't just die to make my eternity awesome. He actually died on the cross and rose again because he has a plan for my life right now. Because he has something that he wants me to do right now. He, he came to bring us life and to bring it to us more abundantly. And he's not talking about our eternal destination. He's talking about it starts right now. He's got a mandate for my life. He's got a calling for us, a purpose for us being here. You know, God put, he put Adam and Eve in the garden for a reason. He didn't, he didn't put Adam and Eve in the garden to then one day spend eternity with heaven. He put, he put Adam and Eve in the garden to tend it to keep it. And now when they sin, when they fail, when we sin, when we fail, like we, we gave authority, Adam and Eve gave authority over to the devil, but God didn't give up on his plan because they blew it. Just like he didn't give up on me and you when we blew it. Even when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. He still has a plan and a purpose. And Jesus came to restore that which was lost. He came to restore what Adam had forfeited, what he had turned over to the enemy, Jesus came to restore us to all that we were originally intended to be. That's what he came to do. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose again, he took back the authority that Adam had turned over to the devil. It, even in our theme, our theme this year is making disciples. It's found in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. (laughs) So he empowered us, he sent us out in his authority, empowered by his spirit to make disciples of nations, to build his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth. He didn't tell us to go hide in the church until the world gets so bad that he's going to bail us out. 
He told us to go make disciples of nations, and if Jesus commanded us to do that, he believed that we could do it. Jesus would never command us to do something that he did not believe we couldn't do. He, and he also wouldn't command us to do something that he wouldn't empower us to do. So he has commanded us to make disciples of nations, to bring heaven to earth, to build his kingdom here, and he has empowered us to do it. So now in this world, we've got to overcome this world. We've got to be overcomers. Now, not in a, we're not overcoming this world in a forceful, violent way. It actually says that his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. We are walking around preaching the gospel of peace to the world. Is what we are doing. He's establishing a kingdom of peace. And if you look around, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of brokenness in the world. I mean, golly, you know, just turn on the news. Just get on Facebook for about five minutes, and it's about all you can take. There's disease. There's war. There's riots. There's political unrest. There's racial divide, cancer, divorce, hurricanes, human trafficking. This world is obviously out of order, but what Jesus has mandated for us to do is to put it back into order to bring the world back into alignment. Romans chapter 8 says that all of creation groans for the manifesting of the sons of God. All of creation is groaning. It says all, you could translate that word groaning into all of creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to reveal themselves. Because when the sons of daughters of God reveal themselves to creation, creation comes back into order. That's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. <laughs> We are called to make disciples of nations. We're called to build the kingdom. We're called to make heaven on earth. Jesus prayed to his father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He prayed your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How much is his will being done in heaven? A hundred percent. And he would not pray that if he did not want that done on earth. And, but he left and sent his Holy Spirit to fill us. And now we are called to do that. We are called to bring heaven into earth. So we, you look around at the world, there's a lot to overcome. We've got a lot to overcome. But Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 33, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. I think it's so easy for us to turn on the news, to see what's going on in the world and get so discouraged and like, man, we can't do it. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants, to, wants us to think that we can't do it, that we can't make disciples of nations. And what I want to do tonight is I want to build your faith up, understand that we can do this because Jesus said that we could do this. And so we have to make sure that we think right about this. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the word repent there doesn't just mean turn away from your sins. It means change the way that you think. The Greek word for repent is metanoia, which means change the way that you think. And so he was coming to establish a kingdom of peace, a kingdom that operated different, differently than the kingdoms of this world. And he came to teach us how to build that kingdom here with his life. Now, when he said it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. The war is over. The battle has been won. He meant it. And this is one thing that we as Christians have got to understand is that we fight from victory, not for victory. We fight from victory, not for victory. He has already won. And we've got to believe that in the deepest part of who we are. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, help me, so is he. It doesn't say as a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
And if you translate that word heart there, it literally means the deepest part of who you are. And so you've got to be completely convinced of this. We have to be completely convinced that we walk from victory, not for victory, to understand that cancer has already been defeated. Or, you know, we can just wait until we die, which is depressing. Or for Jesus to come back, which, you know, most likely might die before that happens. So, I don't know, he might come back tomorrow. I don't know. They've been thinking he's coming back since when, like 88 or something? So, um, do you remember that book, 88 Reasons Jesus Will Come Back in 88? I was born in 89, so I'm kind of glad he didn't come back in 88. So, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I think the same guy put out a book next year called 89 Reasons He's Coming Back in 89. Like, bro, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) But we will never experience the abundance, the blessings, the freedom, the power, the peace that he designed us to walk in and that we're mandated to carry into this world unless we are completely convinced of that. So I'm going to boil it down to, to three categories here tonight if you're taking notes. What do we have to overcome? If we're supposed to be overcomers, what are we going to overcome? Number one is sin. Number one is sin. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with with us. We've got to be an overcomer in our own life, first in the area of temptation and sin. We've got to understand that we have not just been set free from the eternal consequences of sin, but we have been set free from sin. We've been set free from the power of sin itself. Romans 6 says that we are no longer slaves to our sinful nature. We don't have to do what our sin tells us to do anymore. The proof that we have power over sin is temptation. Because temptation is, is not sin. Temptation is, I want to sin, but I have the option not to sin. Temptation is, I have, I have the want to sin, but I don't have to sin. And in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, it says that every time God gives us a way out. God gives us a way out. He gives us a door that we can go through to escape temptation, to escape sin that we can run away from. And I want you to know tonight, that door is Jesus. That door is Jesus. You run to him. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness. So it's not that just a running away from sin, it's a running to Jesus. Every time we run to Jesus. John the Baptist declared him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 2 Verse 17 and 18 says, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus was tempted in every way that you were tempted. And he resisted until he was sweating blood. We have a great sympathizer. He knows, he knows what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're tempting with, and he sympathizes with you. And so that's what he says. All you've got to do is come to me, and I will help you. That's what he says right here. He's able to help us when we are being tested. A couple chapters later in Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we did, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly, to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Praise, thank you, Jesus. 
And it's right there that his grace, we will find grace when we need it most. His grace empowers me to overcome sin. When I see how good he is, see, grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is the empowerment for us to overcome sin. When I see his grace, when I see how good he is, he fills me with it, and he gives me the power to overcome it. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to miss it. I'm not saying that you're not going to blow it. I mean, literally, sin means to miss the mark. And I miss the mark a lot. I'm, I, you know, I say things I shouldn't say. I get frustrated. I get mad. I miss the mark. But he has grace for me. He has grace for me. He doesn't get mad or frustrated with me. He fills me with his grace. He shows me that he still sees me as holy and righteous. And though a righteous man falleth seven times, he always rises again. So, but clearly all through the New Testament, we're not supposed to live in sin. I mean, I could go scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. We are not supposed to live in sin. But we have been set free from its hold on our lives. We have been empowered to overcome. Come on. So good. Second thing that we're overcoming is struggle. Struggle. This is a lot here. You know, it can be rejection. It can be persecution. It can be financial struggle. It can be a label that's on you. It can be fear, depression, anxiety, stress. Something that has just been put on in your life. Maybe you come from a broken home situation. You've been rejected by friends. You've been stabbed in the back from people that you love dearly. Um, People have said horrible, nasty things about you. People that call themselves Christians. People in your church. Maybe you've been hurt by people in your church. It happens. But Jesus paid a price so that you wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. Jesus paid a price so that you wouldn't have to be offended anymore. Everything that you've gone through, Jesus faced. Everything that you've gone through, Jesus, I mean, you think about it. He had 12 guys. One of them sold him out, and then all but one ran away from him when he needed them the most. When you think about all that he went through, I mean, you want to talk about having daddy issues. You know, like, okay, Jesus, like, (laughs) all right, God got your mom pregnant. (laughs) You're, I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about your whole life thinking, like hearing stuff like that. He paid the price that we could overcome all of that. And, and I want you to know those things that I listed there, those labels, the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the rejection, those things only have the power that you give them. Those things only have the authority over your life that you give them, that you relinquish to them. And, and, and what you got to do is get in the word. What does God say about you? What does, what does God say about you? And understand that he's not frustrated, angry, or disappointed with you. It says that, that he takes delight in us, that he, that he desires us. May, maybe, you know, another struggle that we have to overcome is, you know, health issues. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've been sick for a long time. Maybe you're dealing with disease or cancer or something. Well, I want to let you know, I say this by faith. We will overcome. We will overcome. I will lay hands on you after service and pray for you. And we will see this through. We will see by his stripes we are healed. Not one day we're going to be healed, but we are healed. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe in faith that in that moment that you will be healed. And I will pray for you and I will fast for you until we see that thing through. But he paid a great price on that cross so that we could be healed in this life right now. We serve a God who still does miracles. 
it isn't something that he used to do, and now he doesn't do anymore. Last time I checked, he's the God that doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he did miracles then, he still does miracles now. We serve a good God who desires to make his children well. Number three, the world. The world. We have to overcome the world. The spirit of this world. The kingdoms of this world. The darkness, the evil in this world. There is a culture that is, in, that is in direct defiance, direct opposition to the kingdom of God. And it's run by Satan. It's run by demonic influence. We've got to understand. Now, I'm not a guy that's going to go and you know, find a demon under every rock, but you've got to know that we, we war. We war against a spiritual realm. We war against darkness. Actually, Ephesians 6.12 says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You got to know, just, just like God has a plan for this world and God has a plan for your life, the devil's got one too. The devil's got one too, and we are, we are warring. This is the, 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 the person, the, <laughs> the devil, the Satan, that we are called to overcome. You see him behind the scenes. He's at work all over the world and wars going on. The things you see on the news, you know, he's, he's at play in the entertainment industry. Don't, you know, every, all the songs that you listen to, all the movies that we watch, there is an agenda. And we have got to be aware. We have got to recognize darkness when we see it. We are called to overcome this world. Romans twelve twenty one says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have got to be aware that we are in a war, but all we've got to do is turn the light on. We turn the light on. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. All we have to do is turn the light on. Second uh, Peter one four says that we are carriers of God's divine nature. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. The same Spirit lives on the inside of me. So I have the Holy Spirit everywhere that I go. And this is this is the part. This is a repentance. This is the changing the way that you think. You've got to be constantly aware of what you carry on the inside of you. You want to see darkness flee from you, you have to realize that there is light inside of you. If we, are, if we are walking around oblivious to the spirit that is on the inside of us, don't expect darkness to flee from you. We carry heaven with us everywhere we go. We overcome darkness with light, evil with good, the world by living like Jesus. So where do we start? Where do, how do we start? Where do we start? Your own life? We've got to get our life in order so that we will start walking in authority in other places. One of my favorite quotes is, you will never overcome the storm around you if you can't overcome the storm within you. That's why I started with sin, is you've got to overcome the storm, the struggle within us, if you want to overcome the storm outside of you. If you're going to make disciples, you've got to be an overcomer. If you're going to teach other people how to overcome, you yourself have to be an overcomer. You've got to be walking in victory. So start with yourself, then start in your home, then start with your family, then start in your front yard, then go to your community, your city, your nation, and the world. Well, why, don't a lot of, why don't a lot of Christians walk in victory? What, you know, what keeps us from overcoming? 
Because, I mean, this is, it's, it's clear all through Scripture, but you just see, you see Christians all over the world just, you know, just all over our nation just getting their brains kicked in, just dealing with things that, that Jesus paid a price to free us from. So why don't we do it? In John chapter 5, Jesus comes to the man who has been invalid for 38 years. Familiar story to many of us. This guy's been invalid for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, I think is like one of the most asinine questions. He comes up to him and says, do you want to be made well? Duh. Like, like duh. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, it's almost like, like, have some compassion, Jesus. Like, why would he ask that? But there's a reason he asked that man, do you want to be made well? Because not everybody does. Not everybody wants to be made well. And the, fir- and the first thing that the man does is he, he blames other people. He blames other people. He says, I don't have anyone to carry me to the water. And when I move towards it, somebody gets in before me. What is that? That's a victim mentality. It's a victim mentality. People, <laughs> in our culture, we have made an idol out of being a victim. We have idolized vi- being a victim. People are desperate for attention or they don't want to take the responsibility for their lives that comes with the healing. They don't want to take responsibility for their lives or the decisions or they don't want to work. They, they don't want the responsibility that comes with their healing. Whatever it is, a lot of people will have an excuse as to why they can't be an overcomer. Many people will have an excuse as to why they can't overcome fill in the blank. Well, my doctor said, well, I know a great physician. Well, my family, well, I know a better family. Well, my dad, well, I know the best father. <laughs> Don't let excuses take you out from being an overcomer. You've got a decision to make. We have a decision to make. Am I going to be defined by the mat that I lay on? Am I going to be defined by my condition? Am I going to be defined by my struggle? Am I going to be defined by my family? Am I going to be def- or? Am I going to be defined by my obedience to Jesus? Jesus looks at the man and says, take up your mat and walk. Jesus didn't accommodate him. He didn't enable him. He challenged him. That's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. <laughs> a, big, a big reason people can't overcome, many times they self-sabotage themselves because they don't want the responsibility that comes with the healing. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil can only devour you if you relinquish your authority to him. Or many times we, you know, we'll only run to God when our lives are, our, our, our lives is falling apart. It's like we forget that he's in the boat until the storm comes. <laughs> then we freak out and run to him. Now listen, he's always there. He's always there. I, you know, I've done it before. Things have been going great. Life's good, whatever. And then, like, something bad happens, like, oh, Jesus, like, I need you. And then I go back and think, like, man, what, you know, what was I doing the last three weeks? I wasn't, like, you know, going after him then. Psalm 710 says that he brings victory to all who reach out to him. But he wants to move us into a place where we believe that we are overcomers all the time. And that happens by daily cultivating a relationship with him. We've got to pray. We've got to get in this word. We've got to know him. He wants and desires a relationship with you where you don't just run to him in crisis situations, but you run to him every day because you love him. 
So how do we overcome? I gave you three things we got to overcome. Now we're going to give you three ways that we overcome. Number one we overcome was what I just said. You cultivate your relationship with him. This is number, numero uno. Nothing like the, the next two I'm going to give you are great, but this is the number one thing. How do you become an overcomer? You cultivate your relationship with Jesus. You cultivate this relationship. And it's not that if you cultivate it that storms won't come. They will, but they won't rock you like they used to. You'll be full of faith knowing that he's already with you rather than full of fear hoping that he shows up. <laughs> if you cultivate this relationship with him, it's not that storms won't come, they will. But instead of being full of fear hoping that he does show up, you'll be full of faith knowing that he's already there. It's good. I got a better response that time. Okay. <laughs> number, number two, how do we overcome? We rest in his victory. We re- again, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. We, we, we get the privilege, the honor of just going around to the broken, fallen world and just announcing, it's over. Jesus won, y'all. That's it. That's what we do. You go around. I, listen, if you will just go around, everybody you come in contact with and say, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of life you had, but here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God came to the earth to free you from your sin to free you from your struggle. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And all you got to do is have put your faith in him and believe in him. If that's all you ever told anybody, you would be responsible for countless thousands of people entering into the kingdom because there is power in the gospel. Every time we speak the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there. There is power there. Well, I don't really know about calling this you know, calling creation back into alignment. I don't really know about you know, seeing people set free. How many people have you talked to about it? Go do it. Go do it and see what happens. Will people reject you? Sure. But you have no idea. You might plant a seed and five years from now, their life might be falling apart. and They may get down on their knees and turn their hearts to Jesus because of what you said to them. <laughs> All we got to do is rest. It's so easy. We just rest in what he has already done, what he's already accomplished. The most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament is Psalms 110.1. If it's the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, it's probably important, right? Psalm 110.1. It's the Father talking to Jesus that says, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. <laughs> it's the Father talking to Son. And do you know what Ephesians 2.6 says about you and me? We are co-seated with Christ in heavenly places. All we got to do is sit down. You know what Psalms 23 says? Do you know what you do in spiritual warfare? You sit down while he handles your enemies. That's it. You just got to rest with him. You just got to go after him. You just got to be with him, and he takes care of it for you. He told Joshua, under an inferior covenant, under the old covenant, we are under the New Testament. How much greater of a glory do we have access to than Moses did is what Corinthians says. But under the old covenant, God told Joshua, everywhere your foot treads, I give you that ground. He didn't say, everywhere you swing that sword, I'll give that to you. He said, everywhere your foot treads, I'll give you that ground. Joshua didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him like I do. So how mu- if I can get myself in that place of faith that everywhere my foot treads, that is ground for the kingdom. 
And when you walk into your job, everywhere your foot treads, he gives you that ground. If you will be aware of that every single day, I promise you, you will see the environment around you begin to change. That's a good point, Josh. (laughs) Our weapon is rest. We just rest in his victory. I love this verse. This could be our theme verse for tonight. Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors through him that loved us. We are overwhelmingly victorious. It it is beyond the scope of victory. So, got any golf fans in here? Any golf people? Even if you don't know golf, you've heard the name Tiger Woods. He's kind of faded in his later years, but that dude used to show up in that red polo, that red Nike polo, and I'm talking about guys who have been like stud golfers since they were five years old. Like just, they're incredible. They whooped everybody their whole life, but when Tiger Woods stepped onto the green, these dudes fell apart. They were so intimidated by him. They were so intimidated by him, they completely fell apart. That's overwhelmingly victorious. That's more than a conqueror. I used to play pickup basketball. I used to play in some men's leagues. I'm getting a little bit up there in age now, um, so I'm not playing as much as I used to. But there was this guy in town, one of my good friends uh, named James. And whenever we played pickup ball or men's league, I always wanted James on my team. Because if James was on my team, we were going to win. Like, I don't care. How, if it's just me and James against five other dudes, we already won. Like, it does not matter. Nobody could stop this guy. Didn't matter if they triple teamed him and he never passed the ball. Like, he was unbelievable. I knew it was a guaranteed victory. These examples pale in comparison to Jesus. When you step, when you get out of bed in the morning and you step onto the battlefield, all you have to do is rest in what he's already doing for you. And what, what he's, we just have to come into an awareness of that. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Absolutely no one. <laughs> Number three, last point. You have to surround yourself with healthy community. You have to surround yourself with healthy community. Get around people who are already overcoming Get around people who, are, who have calm storms within themselves. Get around people who don't fear storms, who aren't shaken by them. Get around people that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will prophesy over you. We were not, church, we were not created to live in isolation. We weren't created to live in separate relationship from him or his church. We were not created to live in isolation. We were created to live in relationship with him and with his people. So let me ask you, do you have godly friends? Are you a part of a connect group? Do you cultivate those relationships? And again, don't play the victim card here. It's real easy to do. Right? Well, I've been coming to this church and nobody here is friendly. I love you, but they might not have been friendly at your last church either. There might be a, I love you, but there might be a common denominator. Well, I went to a connect group and it was awkward. Well, maybe you sat on the outside and didn't talk to anybody. Again, don't be a victim. It might be you. <laughs> I love you. All love. Don't, sur- don't surround yourself with people who, uh, who will enable your issue. Yes, that's good. Yes. 
when David went to fight Goliath and he went and saw went and saw Saul. Saul, Saul. He went and saw Saul. Saul tried to put his armor on David. And David took it off. Be leery of taking advice from people on slaying giants who have never stepped onto the battlefield and defeated their own. Don't take advice from people in slaying your giants who have never stepped on a battlefield and defeated their own. Don't ask for people for help that have not overcome what you're struggling with. I'm not saying they have to be perfect, but you know, like if you're if you're struggling in your marriage, don't go ask somebody who is also struggling in their marriage. Ask like Look for somebody's marriage that you think is amazing and that you look up to and go ask those people. For, like if, if you're in financial ruin, like if you're in shambles and you need some advice, don't go ask the other person who is also in financial trouble. Like get with somebody who has their finances together. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you or that person. Just get with somebody. Like ask somebody who is already overcoming in that area. Don't ask someone to bail water out of your boat while theirs is also sinking. You can go back to John chapter 5. When, when you, it, it, there were five colonnades around the pool of Bethsaida there, and there were the people that grouped up and what was wrong with them. Misery loves company. People want to be labeled by their issue, and they want to hang around other people that empower and enable that issue. <laughs> and victims and religion hate people who overcome. Because when we overcome our issues, it convicts the people around us and makes them feel bad about their issues that they're still hanging on to. So what this, this man was invalid for 38 years. How long will your dysfunction keep you from having an abundant life? How many times are you going to walk around the same mountain? How long is it going to be somebody else's fault? When is it going to bother you enough that you actually do something about it? The people that this man was with wanted to be affirmed, wanted to be pitied, wanted to be enabled, but Jesus ain't in that game. He's in the transformation game. He comes to heal you, not feel sorry for you. He comes to heal you, not feel sorry for you. He comes to call you worthy even when you don't feel worthy. He comes to call you beloved even when you don't think you're worthy of his love. He comes to call you an overcomer. He comes to call you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He comes to call you mighty and righteous and healed and delivered. He calls you a holy nation, a royal priest, a chosen people, a son or a daughter. That's what he calls you. He's going to ignore your issue and he's going to say, get your mat and walk. He's the answer to your issues. Take heart, I have overcome the world. One of my favorite verses, there's just so many good verses for this. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Now listen, I by no means have, have, have overcome what you've overcome. You may not have overcome some of the things I've overcome. We all have different stories. We all have different struggles. We all have different testimonies. But I've overcome a lot in my life because of the blood of Jesus, because of his grace. I've overcome hurts, wounds, sins, bondage, things that I felt trapped in like I was never getting out. And he freed me. Freed me. Like, like freed me to the point of where I don't even want to do it anymore. 
That's freedom, man. It's not, freedom is not like you, you do good for three months and then you fall into it again. I'm talking about free, baby. I'm talking about free, like I want to jump up and down when I think about it free because he is so good and he can make you free. And how do I know he can make you free? Because he made me free. That's it. That's it. Do you know the testimony in Hebrew? Do you know what it actually means? Do it again. Mm. Do it again. Do it again, God. That's why it's so good. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. When I stand up and share my testimony, it releases Holy Spirit's power in the room to also free people. Woo. You start giving testimonies about people being healed, people in the room will get healed. I have overcome many habitual sin cycles. I have been healed myself and seen multiple healings. Prayed for a girl that came to Leaders Academy one time. Her, one of her legs was longer than the other, and she had really bad back issues. And I, we put her against the wall, and I got down to pray for her, and she had boots on. And I really wasn't even expecting anything to happen. I started praying for her, and when I looked down again, her feet were even. And I was like, to this day, she's had not, no pain in her back at all whatsoever. One time I hurt my neck working out. <laughs> bad. It hurt so bad. It was awful. I remember coming into church, and I did not want to be here. You can ask my wife this. I did not want to come. I w- it was terrible. This was a couple years ago. It was, it, it was so bad. I was going to go see the doctor the next day. It hurt so bad. And then we, we, we were doing a youth group prayer meeting afterwards over in the old conference room over there. And, um, and I was like, babe, I really don't want to go, but I'm, I'm just going to. I'm just going to go tough it out. And, uh, and I, I was praying for another girl for her neck to be healed. And while I was praying for her, my pain instantly disappeared. And I'm talking about I was in serious pain. I had been popping ibuprofen like, all, like a big dog all day. It was not good. It hurt really bad. But in the presence of God, while I was praying for somebody else's breakthrough, in his goodness, he healed my neck. And I believe as I'm saying that right now, that healing is coming into your body because it's a testimony and it's God saying, it's, it's my spirit calling out to the Holy Spirit saying, do it again, God. Do it, do it again. Ooh. I have overcome hurt, rejection, depression, suicidal thoughts. <sighs> I am overcoming this world now by serving, following, and loving Jesus, by pursuing a flourishing marriage, being a devoted father, by preaching the gospel and walking in love and all that I do. And what I can tell you now is I am an overcomer and you can be too. I am an overcomer, and you can be too, and that can be your testimony everywhere that you go is that I am overcoming this world, and so can you. That's a good place to stop. Y'all stand with me. (laughs) Revelation 19.11 says that the testimony of Jesus is is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Whenever we give a testimony about what Jesus has done in our life, it prophesies to other people and it brings them into freedom too. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I want you to believe that this, the Holy Spirit in here can bring freedom everywhere that you go. It's the power of the gospel. It's the power. He's so good. He's so good. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much for this abundant life, God. We thank you so much that we get to taste and see your goodness now. Lord, teach us how to be overcomers. 
Lord, right now I just pray for everyone in this room that's battling any kind of addiction, and I break it right now in Jesus' name. Anybody that's, that's struggling with a generational curse passed down from their father or their mother, I break it right now in Jesus' name. It stops with these people in here in this room. And God, each generation from this room is going to get better and better and better and better. Lord, anyone that needs to be healed, right? If you need any healing in your body right now, just raise your hand over your head, both hands over your head. I just pray healing right now. We loose your healing right now in this room. Jesus' name, back pain is leaving right now. Neck pain is leaving right now. Knees, ankles are being healed right now in Jesus' name. Depression and anxiety is breaking off right now in Jesus' name. Stress is washing away right now. The blood of Jesus is washing over people right now in Jesus' name. Lord, teach us how to be overcomers. Show us how to teach other people to be overcomers. Show us how to make disciples. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Father. And we just give you worship tonight, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. Lord, lead us and guide us this week. Lord, show us who we need to talk to this week. Show us who we need to share our story and our testimony with so that the power of your Holy Spirit can be released, so that, so that prophecy will come out of our mouth, that you're going to do it again in their life, Lord. Show us how to bring heaven to earth every day in our jobs, in our workplaces, in our homes, God. Lord, I just, right now, Lord, I just pray for every home represented here that your spirit would just fill up their houses right now. Lord, anybody, anybody struggling with sleep, Lord, that's not getting good sleep, Lord, I, tonight is going to be the night that they get good sleep. And they're going to have dreams about you. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Anybody that's struggling with nightmares, any, any demonic activity in their homes at night, I just rebuke that in Jesus' name. And the spirit of peace is going to come into your homes tonight. Lord, we lift up this community to you, Jesseville, Fountain Lake, Mountain Pine. This, this is going to become a little bit of heaven. <laughs> a little bit of heaven, Lord. We ask for the spirit of Elijah to come and turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. No more broken homes in our community. We just, we cancel the enemy's assignment on marriage in our community in Jesus' name. We're going to have supernatural marriages. We're going to have supernatural parenting in this place, Lord. Jesus, have your way in our schools in our homes, in our jobs, everywhere, every part of our life, every sphere of our influence, Lord, have your way. Lead, guide, and direct us. Lord, keep everyone safe as they go back home tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.